Today, we are finishing up this uh, one another message series that we've been in um, over the last several uh, weeks. And um, this is week number five. And um, there are 59 technically one another's. We talked about this in the very first message that we had together. Um, the goal wasn't necessarily to cover all 59. There are some overlap between them. For example, the command to love one another is 15 of the 59 one another's. And so we've just kind of highlighted a few of them so that we can really begin to see from a biblical perspective how we are called and really rewired by Christ to relate to one another as new creations in Christ. And it's been a really good series for me. It's been encouraging to me to get to study these a little bit more in depth and to walk through them in my own personal life. And I'm thankful that many of you have reached out to me and shared with me what the Lord was doing in your own life through several of these messages and these truths, these one another commands and passages that we see throughout the New Testament. I mean, I get feedback off and on from just about every message series that we do, but for some reason, this one in particular, you guys have reached out even more than usual to share with me what the Lord's been doing in your hearts about the way that we relate to one another. As a matter of fact, for example, a few weeks ago when we looked at the command to forgive one another as Christ forgave us, I had someone reach out to me who said, man, the part of that message, the part of looking at it in Scripture that touched me the most, that resonated with me the most, was the part about how Jesus forgives us as a step to reconciling with us. And so therefore, when he leads us to forgive others in the same way that he's forgiven us he's leading us to do that as a step towards reconciliation not just forgiving someone but to forgive so that we can reconcile and she said that she felt empowered by the Holy Spirit to begin to take those steps that very afternoon and they had a long conversation this was someone that had hurt her deeply it was not easy to do but she trusted the Lord in it and praise God they're taking steps towards reconciliation because of this one another command that we looked at in scripture a few weeks ago we looked at the command to encourage one another and how the Lord works in us and through us to be an encouragement to each other and I had someone email me that week after that message and said that the Lord put a friend on her heart a friend who was going through a really dark time in their life, really honestly kind of running from the Lord, running from church, running from all of her friends, had just kind of distanced herself from everyone, and she felt the need to reach out to her and to try to encourage her in some way, but she's been avoiding her. She hasn't been answering phone calls and texts, and so I love it. Finally, she said, listen, I'm the friend who is not going to give up on you. I'm going to keep calling, and I'm going to keep calling, and I'm going to keep calling until you answer the phone. And so why don't you do me a favor and make it easy on all of us and just pick up the next time I call? And guess what? 
She did. She picked up the phone the next time she called, and they talked for over an hour together, and they cried together, and they prayed together, and she just sought to be an encouragement to her as the Lord led her to do so. Isn't that beautiful? That last week, after us looking at the command to accept one another, just as, in the same way that Christ has accepted us, there were so many of you who came up to me and just said that the Lord really spoke to you during that time. Some of you, it was, hey, I gotta be honest. There were probably some people that if they would have walked in those doors and into our church, I would have had a really hard time accepting them as part of our congregation. But after that message, I feel much more led to bring that before the Lord and for him to work on me in growing within that area because I see the way that Christ accepted me as a sinner and as someone who was lost and someone who was an enemy of his and didn't wait on me to get my act cleaned up and accepted me in that way. Then Jesus is leading me, of course, to do the same thing. And praise God that many of you were open to that and even willing to talk about that and put it out there for the Lord to continue to grow you in that area others of you it just resonated with you in a way that said yes that's who our church is that's the kind of church I want to be a part of and may it be so and it was just those kinds of things that I've been hearing over the last five weeks that have encouraged me to hear about what the Lord's doing in your heart and teaching you how to relate to one another and really I think that maybe it's been such an impactful series for many of us because we're relational beings God wired us to be in community and in relationship with one another it's part of who we are but I mean in a lot of ways and I don't know exactly what to attribute it to, but since the pandemic a few years ago, things just haven't quite been the same relationally with a lot of us. There are a lot of people, a lot of us who may be in this room together who still feel isolated from people and still feel lonely at times. And there may be some of you who are watching online who still haven't really made it back from that time. And we're wired to be in community with each other and when we feel that isolation when we feel lonely and we're made as relational beings when we start to talk about loving one another and forgiving one another and encouraging one another and accepting one another I think it just begins to stir something up really deep within us because it's just wired to be a part of us we're going yes I'm meant to be in community with other people and so I just want to encourage you to keep coming be here as much as you can that's not meant in any legalistic way to check off a box but just because we're meant to be in relationship with each other this is good for us to incarnationally be seeing each other face to face and forgiving one another and accepting one another and encouraging one another and, and not just in this big room together but in smaller groups where we're studying and growing and really relating with one another as well and so today as we finish up this series I just want to encourage you 
to continue to make worship, continue to make biblical community a priority. It really is important. For us, it's important for you. We need each other. And today, as we finish up and we're talking about this final one another, we're going to be looking at what Paul says about serving one another. Out of the 59 one another's that we see in Scripture, there's only one of these. Only one command to serve out of the 59 uh, uh, commands to serve one another. Now, it's seen all over Scripture. It's just this particular Greek phrase that's translated one another, and these one another passages that we've been focusing on is only seen in this one verse right here. Paul says to the church at Galatia, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve, here it is, one another, humbly in love. Paul says the way we are to relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ who are brought into this unity, into this family, into this fellowship together is to sacrificially serve. This word that's translated serve here means wholeheartedly and sacrificially to be serving one another. Now, what I find really interesting about this, though, is not just that this is the one place that it's used, but the context in which it's used. I mean, Paul gives us this command and is teaching us that this is the way we're to relate to each other in the context of Christian freedom. He even says that we were called to be free. Free from what, right? Well, if you've read the book of Galatians, you know that Paul is talking a lot about the Old Testament law, how there was a lot of Jesus plus Old Testament laws and regulations and this kind of thing to be okay. And he was writing to say, listen, it's a Jesus plus nothing equals everything kind of gospel in his grace that we enter into. And so in some ways, there's this idea that Paul was writing and expressing that we're free from that kind of bondage to performance to having to keep up with a certain standard to prove where we are with the Old Testament law. But it's more than that, because Paul also mentions this word here, flesh. Flesh, when you see this in Scripture, is really, just in all simplicity, kind of a reference to self. It's you and I operating out of our own strength and our own power, our own wisdom, our own guidance, apart from Jesus, who was meant to be our source. And flesh really means that we are serving, not others. <laughs> if we're living by our flesh, it means that we are serving ourselves. We're able to look at our lifestyle and go, wow, it's all about me in how I am serving me to make my life more comfortable in a number of ways. And at one time, we were in bondage to our flesh. 
We were slaves to sin. We were slaves to selfishness. And we've talked about this a lot, and so we won't spend a lot of time on it. But again, visually, this is what we're talking about here. Scripture teaches us that we have a spirit, and that we have a soul, and that we have a body. And really, within our soul, this is kind of like our personality, right? Our, our mind and our emotions and our will. And we were meant and we were created to be in union spiritually with the capital S, Holy Spirit. A spiritual union between our spirit and the Holy Spirit, operating with God as our source and Him influencing our mind and our emotions and our choices and using our body and all of these ways. And what we'll see here in a little bit with this spiritual union, the way we were created to operate in union with Him was to be a servant was to serve one another in this way. But, of course, sin messed that up. When sin came into the world, it affected everything, and sin affects every part of us all the way to the core. And so, the Spirit, we were separated from God because of sin in our lives. He's a holy and a perfect God. And so now... We're no longer in union with the God of the universe whom we were meant to be in union with, allowing him to meet our needs, allowing him to influence our mind and our emotions and our will. And when the Holy Spirit is missing and he's supposed to be here, then you're going to start to feel that. You're going to start to feel that emptiness. You're going to long for more within you. And because your needs are no longer being met, all you have left is your, whoop, here we go again, flesh, right? You no longer have access to the very core of your being and God who's dwelling there with your spirit. So what do you got left? Well, I've got my body, I've got my mind, I've got my emotions, I've got the choices that I make, and I've got to try to use those various things to get my needs met, to bring me my satisfaction, to bring me fulfillment. And so you can just see, man, I mean, selfishness to the core. Why? Because we have to be. We were meant to have our needs met with God. God's not there. All we have is our flesh, which means we are slaves to selfishness, and we have to be because we've got to continue to get our needs met. Now, the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus came to free us from our sin, to free us from our selfishness, and he did that through his finished work on the cross and his resurrection and ascension and the sending of the Spirit. So now, the Apostle Paul could write things like this to the church, those who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He says to them here in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we know that our old self, watch this, our old self was crucified. Did you know that the old Jew is dead 
the old Jew, the one with the sin nature, the one that was so selfish at the core, has been crucified with Christ so that the body that was ruled by sin, past tense, it was ruled, that it might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves any longer to sin. Why? Because anyone who has died, and you've died, has been what? Set free from sin praise God that means you are no longer a slave to sin that means you are no longer a slave to your flesh that means you are no longer a slave to selfishness why because all your needs are now being met in Christ you've been set free from having to be so selfish to use other people to use drugs or alcohol to use entertainment or whatever else it is that we use to feed us before we've been freed from that so now when Paul says in Galatians 5:13 to not use our freedom to indulge the flesh why because God's just set us free from that and you are in bondage to it and Let's be honest, it wasn't that great when you were there. We all tend to want to think it is, oh yeah, man, I get to go and drink and smoke and do whatever and party and live it up and all of that. And you're like, really? Was that really that great? Were you really having that great of a time during then? You were a slave to those things. And the reason you went back to them over and over again is because you kept feeling the emptiness inside and just looking for something to medicate with and something to fill it up with. And it never ultimately satisfied. You've been set free from all of that. So why would the world, why in the world would you want to go back and indulge it any longer? longer instead live out who you were always created to be and that is a servant one that serves other people humbly in love so that's the first thing if we're going to talk about this command to serve one another the way we relate to each other we've got to see that we're free from the selfishness that we were so in bondage to enslaved to right the second thing that we need to see then is that it is part of a new heart that we receive. That in Christ, we have this new heart that now wants to serve others. If we go back here, what were we talking about? We have a new life in him. The old self was crucified. We've been raised up to someone. We were buried with him, but now we've been raised up into this new life with him. And so here's the thing. Jesus comes into union with us spiritually and makes us a servant. Why? Because Jesus himself was and is a servant. You see it all throughout Scripture. But the one place I'm going to take you this morning is to Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. We may talk about a few other places too. But Paul says this, teaching the church at Philippi how to relate to one another now that they're new creations in Christ and says, here's what you don't do. Do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Sometimes that's translated empty glory. Love that, right? Don't quit. It's, it's all the glory you chase after yourself and all of that. It's just, it's just an emptiness there. All right, it's in vain. Rather, here's what you do. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you looking to the interest of others. What's Paul saying there? 
serve one another, right? I mean, he didn't use that phrase in Greek, but that's what he's saying. When you're not looking to your own interest, but you're looking to the interest of others, what are you doing? Serving one another. All right, this is who you are in Christ, so don't do these things anymore. This stuff right here, what is this? Flesh. The yuckiness that comes from, from living in our own power, in our own strength. The stuff that we were in bondage to, that we've been set free now. This is the stuff that comes out of that if we go back to living that way. But we've been set free from that. So now that you have, serve one another. Now, when he says this, here's what I'm really wanting you to see. He uses Jesus as the example to help them see the point he's trying to make and what it looks like here. So you'll see it in the very next verse. He says, in your relationships, which that's what he was just talking about, right? With one another, there's a good phrase, have the what? Same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's our example. So what was the mindset of Jesus? Well, he uses the next few verses to show us who Jesus is a little bit more fully and what his mindset was. Who? Who is the who? Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book or something there. All right, that's Jesus, right? Jesus, being in very nature God, does it get any more clear than that? This is not just a man. This is God in the flesh, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, watch this, he made himself nothing. How? By taking the very nature of a what? servant Jesus is a servant he even says the son of man did not come to be served in Matthew 28 but to what to serve it's who he is and if you go back and you look at the gospels that are all about the life of Jesus guess what you see Jesus doing over and over and over again serving people he served people through teaching he served them through healing them through befriending them through and just investing in them ministering to them in all kinds of ways one of the ways we see it most clearly in in all honesty when we really just visualize it and think about it just how the god of the universe in john chapter 13 washes people's feet I mean, he took the disciples' dirty feet and he touched them. Their sweaty feet, their smelly feet, their cracked feet, their feet with scars or maybe open wounds that were bloody, their fungus feet or fungi feet. How do you say that in plural? Yeah. I mean, it, picture Jesus sitting on the throne in heaven with angelic beings flying around him saying, glory, 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 right? I mean, all praise and honor the one who is and was and is to come, right? And he takes off his outer garment and he gets on his knees and he uses his hands to touch those feet and to wash them. I mean, talk about being 
a servant. Is there any more clearer picture of who Jesus Christ is when you see him sacrificially serving others? Well, perhaps there is one. And after Jesus said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, what did he say? But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Perhaps he served us in even a more sacrificial way than washing someone's feet by being willing to go to the cross for us. One of the most painful, humiliating ways that someone could die. Again, the God of the universe who sat enthroned in heaven with all glory and honor and riches and did not have to leave there, chose to leave and come and allow himself to have nails driven through his hands and his feet and hang there naked in front of people while they mocked him and spit on him while he was in so much pain. Why? Because the Son of Man did not come to be served. How is that even possible? Do you realize how much Jesus loves you today? That he would do that. He would serve you in that way. So this, I mean, we just see, he says it's who he is. He demonstrates that it's who he is. And then again, watch if this is Jesus and he is a servant, right? And this is you and your spirit and you enter into a spiritual union with Jesus becoming what the Bible calls a new creation in Christ. One who was dead but now is alive and you're in Christ and Christ is a servant. Guess what that makes you? A servant. You have a new heart. Your new heart is in union with the one who is a capital S servant who's given you a new heart to want to serve. He's breaking the chains of selfishness and given you a new heart to want to serve other people. It's who you've always been created to be, right? That's what we said in the very beginning. It's who Jesus is. You were meant to be in union with him, but you weren't able to be that because of sin in your life. But then Jesus comes to redeem you from that sin so that you could enter back into that union and become who you were always created to be, and you were one who was created to love and serve other people. And I have seen that happen in and through you, brothers and sisters in Christ, over and over and over again at Colonial Hills. Did you know that your pastor search team three years ago came over to our house that we had purchased and the day before that we moved in, they brought cleaning supplies with them. Still don't know how they got into our house, but they got into our house and they swept and they mopped and they dusted and they vacuumed and they cleaned the showers and they cleaned the toilets and they even put a new microwave and installed it all in there for us so that when we came and moved in the next day, we had a clean house to walk into and it was one less thing that we had to worry about. That is an expression of the servant's heart that they had been given in Christ and we got to be the ones who were blessed by the way that they served us that day. Amen. I've heard Steve Alberts tell a story over and over again about 
that's the way that some of you as men served him and his family and his son Wes he can't hardly tell the story without crying, so I'll tell it. And not going to invite him up here. But Wes had been, uh, a number of men had been invited to speak into Wes's life and kind of a, a rites of passage ceremony, turning 13. And these guys were investing in him and speaking life into him and encouraging him. And they found out later on that Wes, as a competitive gymnast, that the family just was in a position where they didn't have the money, the resources to be able to pay for his gymnastics. And at the time, this was something he really loved and wanted to continue to pursue and these men came together and said you know what we may not have much but if we pull it all together and we make some sacrifices in this area of our life and we do with our family maybe not going out to eat here and we could use that and put it together here then maybe we could all come together and pay for a year of his gymnastics for him so that he can continue and that is exactly what they did and that is an expression of the capital S servant who is dwelling in them and expressing his life through them to be a benefit and a blessing to them as a family what a picture it really is on Christmas Eve nine months ago when we found water in the worship center in the welcome center I still don't know how it happened but about an hour after that like I'm running around frantic trying to figure out what it is that we're doing and I look up and there's like 75 to 80 of you and you're showing up and you're like what can we do to help how can we serve today this is Christmas Eve I know some of you had family things going on you had multiple plans to do other things on Christmas Eve and you showed up here and you stayed for hours getting the water out of that area you stayed for hours bringing because none of these things were here to be able to do our Christmas Eve service in here and you just kept bringing and hooking stuff up and putting chairs up here so that we could have a Christmas Eve what a beautiful picture it was of the church brothers and sisters in Christ and the expression of the new heart that he had given you to show up and just say I had other things to do today there are things that I wanted to be doing today on my day off but I'm here to serve and there's nothing I'd rather do in this moment right now and I could tell that I could see it on your faces that is an expression Jesus Christ who is the capital S servant expressing his life through you did you know that every Saturday since then for the last nine months there have been a group of men who show up here every single Saturday to set the chairs out and get the gym ready every single Saturday for the last nine months there are people who are serving in that way the first eight to ten of them do you know what they had to do because there was upward basketball going on and because we want to serve our community in the way that we do, we said we can't cancel upward basketball just because it's an inconvenience to us. And so it didn't finish until 7.30 at night. So they were coming in at 8 o'clock at night, staying for a couple of hours, sometimes past 10 o'clock in the evening to get everything set up for worship that day and then turning around and showing back up the next morning at 8 o'clock. Talk about a servant's heart. Speaking of Upward, did you know that John and Nancy O'Sullivan, who helped kind of run our Upward, had been serving in Upward for a number of years before they officially stepped into that position, and their kids had aged out of the Upward program a long time ago. They don't have to keep showing up because there's some obligation to coach their kids or be involved in it at this point. They kept showing up from 7 o'clock in the morning until 2 or 3 in the afternoon on Saturdays for soccer, and then from 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning until 7 or 8 o'clock 
o'clock at night during basketball season and here for many of the practices in the, in, in the evenings. Why? Because they have a servant's heart and they want to be used to bless others in this community and point them to Jesus along the way. Many of you are Sunday school teachers for our kids and our adults. Many of you serve on Wednesday nights. Many of you serve on our First Impressions team or you serve in a number of other ways around this church. And you could be sitting on the couch. You could just come to the service. You could watch it online. You could just do that and then leave or be at home and not worry about it. You could come, uh, not come on Wednesday nights and just stay home and watch TV and be entertained in some other way. You could go throughout your week with having, without having to plan a lesson and be creative and find yet another way to teach the material to your group over and over again every single week but you are choosing not to use your freedom to indulge the flesh but rather you are serving one another humbly in love I see it over and over again and so thank you for that what a blessing it is what a testimony we give God all the glory honor and praise for how he's led us in the way that we're serving each other and to empower us to serve each other but today as we come to the end of this and we are being told again to serve one another somewhere, right? To serve one another humbly in love. Even if the Lord's been at work in us to do this in other ways, the question is always as we've ended up every other message, okay, what now, God? You've shown me the truth of your scripture. You've shown me what it means, but how does that apply to me today? If I am to serve one another, Jesus, what does that look like in my life today? Does that look like him leading you to get involved and serve in an actual ministry here, whether that's our kids' ministry or our student ministry or our first impressions ministry, our audio-video ministry, or any other ministry that we have here? Is he leading you to serve a neighbor or another brother or sister in Christ, someone in your Sunday school or someone who doesn't know Jesus, someone who's lonely, someone who used to be a part of this church, would still maybe call themselves a part of this church but hasn't been in a really long time? Is he leading you to serve someone this week and in some particular way? My encouragement to you is if the Lord is bringing to mind anyone or any way to serve, any official ministry, and you're beginning to think about that even in this moment, or he does it later on, trust that is from the Holy Spirit. Don't treat that as if it's just, oh, that was a random passing thought. The Holy Spirit is at work in illuminating his truth, and his job as we land is to show you how it applies to your life, and that happens through him putting people on your mind, to speaking to your heart about the way he's wired you and gifted you to play a role in bringing you to partner with this church, not to be served, but to serve one another humbly in love. Are you serving someone humbly in love in this church through your role in the body and if not why not he's gifted you he's empowered you to be able to do so we're missing out on you being involved in the body of Christ so if he's leading you in some way putting someone on your heart trust that is from the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you want me to do with that, Lord? What does that really look like? And begin to seek those things out. And may it not just be true today or this week, but may this be the way that we relate to each other each and every day. 
as brothers and sisters in Christ. Not looking to our own interests, but looking to others' interests and how we can serve them.